Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in with us at Hearing Her Voice. My name is Scarlett and I'm the founder of Women's March San Diego at UCSD. Today I wanted to talk about Latinas in medicine, how we still face sexual discrimination and sometimes lack of support from our own community. I have brought in Jin Ho as my co-host to talk about this topic with me. We had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Natalie Rodriguez, who is the Associate Clinical Professor of Department of Family Medicine and Public Health at UCSD. She is also an Associate Director of UCSD Student Run Free Clinic Project. She is passionate about increasing diversity in medicine by helping aspiring and current medical students whom are underrepresented in medicine or from disadvantaged backgrounds. It is also our first in-person interview for our podcast. We had a great time talking with her and we hope you enjoy it as well. So we know that you come from a Hispanic background. Um, you are first gen, secondary. You are first gen. I mean, I guess it's how do you define first generation? Like, I was uh-huh. not, I was born here. I'm the first generation in my family to be born here. Okay. okay. Some people call that first generation. Some people call that second generation. Okay. Um, did your parents go to college, I guess? No, my parents Okay, did first not. gen. Okay. <laughs> first gen it is. First gen, first gen. Um, my parents did not go to college. My parents actually got really, I think, lucky. They... Mm grew up um, in the mid 70s and the computer was just taking off. And so they went to a vocational school and learned some computer skills. And my dad became a programmer. My mom um, did different uh, things with computers, but they both had like what I would consider pretty successful careers considering they didn't go to college at all. Um, and they got married really young. They were high school sweethearts. They um, got married right out of high school, had me a year later. And so um, they were babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. so being the first one to go to college from, um, uh, were they supportive? Um, what made you go into that mm. um, direction? I know that... Um, at least personally, me as a Latina growing up in El Barrio, <laughs> there was a lot of people that would be like, oh, just go to, you know, community college or how about you just go to work instead, start making money, you know, help out the family, you know, you're just going to be in debt anyways. <laughs> so how did you kind of like, were like, no, this is what I'm going to do because I want to do this. So um, I feel so fortunate that my family was always really encouraging of me. I was a pretty um, geeky kid. I really liked school and I loved reading and my family really encouraged that in me. And I would say the other piece where I think there's some luck, and I think it's really important to talk about this because I think Um, I feel really passionately about breaking down beliefs that, you know, like if you just work hard or like I pulled myself by, up by my bootstraps, you can too kind of thinking um, that's just not always true. And so um, the other luck piece is that 
my family happened to live in a neighborhood with really good schools. And I did not go to those schools for most of my life. I actually attended a very small private school. It was mostly for black and brown kids who lived in Inglewood and Compton and areas like that. And so those were the kids that I grew up with. The same 17 kids. We were together. <laughs> oh, it's a really um, small school. Very small school. Same 17 kids in my class my whole life. Oh my and um, unfortunately, the summer before I started eighth grade, my grandfather died. And oh, he's no. the one who took me to school because my parents worked. And um, when he passed away, there was no one else to take my sister and I to school because it was a little bit farther away from where we lived. And so very quickly, we transitioned to public school in our neighborhood. And those schools happened to be amazing. And I got to public school, eighth grade. It was a huge culture shift for me because all of a sudden I went from being with a bunch of kids who looked just like me and were like my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. We had grown up together to being in this huge public school um, where it was predominantly white and Asian. It was super like surfer culture, which I knew nothing about at the time. And uh, that was really rough. What was interesting though, was that for the first time in my whole life, I was academically challenged. Mm. Um, and so I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> School can be hard. <laughs> and, um, and it really just, um, opened me up to new opportunities that I hadn't had at my old school. That being said, if you went with the flow at my school, you would kind of end up in college. Um, mm -hmm. And so all of my friends, like if I, I didn't really, I didn't have a lot of guidance. I didn't have a lot of input from my family. I didn't really know what I was doing when I applied to college. I applied to three schools, three. UCLA, Irvine, and San Diego. And the reason I wanted to come to San Diego is because I'd been here for band camp <laughs> and I'd absolutely fallen in love with the campus. But the truth is I would have fallen in love wherever I went because it was that like independence and camaraderie and camp-like feel. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so I literally applied to three schools. I just kind of like looked around, what were my friends doing? Oh, you applied to the UCs. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> um, and, and I ended up here at UCSD. And my family was incredibly supportive all along the way. My parents, um, my mom was working nights at the time. And she... Um, you know, the way that we remember that time, it's like my mom, as challenging as it was for her to work nights, as disruptive as that was for our family, she's like, yeah, but we got to help you pay for school because mm -hmm. of that work that I did. So, um, so that was pretty great. And I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a doctor. I was going to go like precocious five-year-old. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> I just never let it go. Oh, no. um, you know, uh, so many kids have like a little, like a book where you, your parents mm -hmm. write down memories and every mm -hmm. year it's like, what do you want to be? Doctor. <laughs> what about next year? Doctor. <laughs> so um, I think my parents knew that it was something that I wasn't going to let go of and they were just so incredibly encouraging along the way. That being said, 
UCSD kind of kicked my butt. <laughs> and uh, I realized very quickly that I was way better at the my non-science classes than I was in my science classes. Mm -hmm. And I remember calling my parents and I was like, hi, I think I want to switch my major. Was so it OCHEM? Um, I was a biochem cell bio major. Oh my gosh, same major. And um, I can't, I think it was physics, actually, physics. that was really pushing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I told my parents, I, I want to be a lit major. Like, I'm getting all A's in my lit. I was a lit minor. Mm. Um, and they were like, <laughs> we are not sacrificing. <laughs> She's like, I am not working nights for you to just <laughs> throw it off the bell right now. No, you're gonna do it right now. <laughs> you come home, you live at home, you can go to you know, Long Beach or Dominican Hills, and you can study lit here. She's like, but let me know so I know to put in, you know, my schedule make it. <laughs> and she was like, okay, oh. I'll stick it out. Um, and that's not what I did. I needed, you know, I don't know that everyone responds to tough love in the same way, but I think I needed that in that moment. I needed a little tough love to to push through those beginning classes that are, you know, just so mm -hmm. not at all like what the major is and definitely nowhere near like what you're learning in medical school or things like that. So a little bit of my journey up to college. I, I like how you said that once you transitioned that you were kind of challenged in a way. Um, and it, it's interesting because I felt the same way, but transitioning to college, I was like, oh, I was, I was doing very good. I was a good student in high school. And then I'm like, whoa, different ball game. It is a different, different. Ball game. And, and then I got like my first bad grade and I was like, I don't know what to do. I also called my mom. I was like, maybe I should go back. She's like, um, no, you worked hard. You should just definitely just, you know, keep going. What is it like two more years and then you'll be done. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that tough love sometimes is needed a bit. <laughs> I mean, like I feel the pressure just because like, uh, I came here for the U S for, for college. So, and college being an uh, international student, pays a huge amount of tuition mm. so I was like you know, ah like I'm not sure if I'm like you know fit here like ah San Diego I the weather is nice but like you know I'm not really bonding here and my parents were like mm, that's a good question but the money and the time you're spending uh like no pressure she's they always say like no pressure but like as you said it was like a nice tough love to like tough on myself because like I feel like sometimes life is hard and then you just have to accept it that life is hard. Like you cannot always go to the easy path to get where you want. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes that tough love really helps. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, so many, not, you know, not just in medicine, but in so many fields, careers, it's a long journey and uh, you can't possibly imagine that it's going to be easy or straight <laughs> um, the whole way. There are definitely going to be challenges, some of them um, internal, some of them external, things that are out of your control. And I think learning to navigate those challenges is really important and builds resilience <laughs> along the way. And um, I think really, in some ways, connects you to other people's 
mm-hmm. stories as well. Oh yeah. Right? Like people don't always relate to the person who's lived the charmed life. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the hard life. The struggle, that, right? Yeah. Like that's where hustle. people really connect. Yeah. Um, talking about struggle, have since this is like you know the women's podcast um mm-hmm. did you ever face any um scrutiny or anything because you were a woman that you were trying to you know go into medical school and sometimes some people would be like oh how about nurse instead yeah. especially since you know you know you're latina they're like maybe a nursing school would look best you know I know I've heard it before that people are like, oh, you're studying. Oh, so when are you going to be the nurse of like the house or whatnot, you know? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't the direction that I'm going. But, you know, have you ever had that happen to you before? Definitely. And I think it started because I didn't do as well in the beginning of college. And I think uh, I think we're breaking down some of these old myths, but mm-hmm. back then it really was like, oh, you don't have a 4.0, you're never going to get in. Oh. And so you're going to need to consider some alternatives. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of that first seed that got planted of like, well, we don't think you're, you're going to get there. So what else could you be? What's your plan B? And that never felt very honoring, especially mm-hmm. to the people who choose nursing as their plan A, um, and and it wasn't um, it was something that I did consider. I considered um, pursuing nursing. I considered being a physical therapist. My best friend from high school was a physical therapist, and I thought, oh well, maybe yeah. you know that's something that could be interesting. But it it didn't quite feel like a fit for me mm-hmm. um, and then I spent some time doing research and really really tried that on um, because I had started uh, research as an undergrad and then continued after I graduated full-time and again it was interesting it was like academically stimulating mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't like feeding my soul in the way that I wanted mm-hmm. my career to in the same way that I felt like caring for people would um, so I think that was really the first layer. And then, I mean, I can't tell you how many times people are like, oh, you'll, they will ask, you'll say like, I'm a doctor. And then literally one second later, they're like, oh, so you're a nurse? Oh. No, I'm not a doctor. Oh. Um, so, and I, I am not someone who I don't, I don't need to be called doctor. I prefer not to be called doctor. I introduce to myself to people by my first name, but the only time I throw around doctor is when people come at me like that. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you don't know how many sleepless yeah. nights it took me to get there. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, Uh, It's really interesting where I trained in my residency program. Um, There was a lot of doctors from Latino backgrounds, Hispanic Mm -hmm. um, backgrounds, different countries even. And so I never felt out of place as a Latina, Mm -hmm. um, but there was also interestingly a lot of sexism there where it was a lot of older men, a lot of older men, again, because they were from other countries and more patriarchal um, cultures, 
there was a lot of stuff to do in the hospital and um, I was called Mujercita in the operating room many times, many, many times. I was like, no, doctora. So, uh, so that definitely was an interesting twist um, where you think at that point when you've gotten that far, mm-hmm. um, you're like, you know, wearing the title um, that you would be treated with respect. And uh, that was definitely kind of a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, so thankful that, that there wasn't racism and mm-hmm. other types of microaggressions that many people um, of color face, even you know, in their institutions. I guess like with all the aggression or like microaggression you said was happening, like there must be something like a drive for you to you know keep pursuing why you pursued that residency or why that position. So maybe you can expand more on like what made you to decide to go that path of maybe through free clinic or more serving the community? Yeah. Um, so I knew coming into medical school that I was interested in working with underserved populations. I had spent some time working um, in um, some underserved areas in San Diego before medical school and had um, kind of a commitment, a deep commitment to social justice and health equity and things like that. Um, but I, I didn't like know exactly what that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, free clinic was just, uh, I mean, I could say that it was life-saving. It was a life-saving, career-saving experience for me because UCSD Medical School was not a diverse place back then, and uh, it wasn't as supportive of a medical school as it could have been, as it is now, and this is really challenging. As med school is always hard, it's, it's always <laughs> going to be hard, but those, like the lack of support and the lack of a a lot of other students who look like me or maybe were from first generation Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. That was really hard. And so free clinic was a place where every week I got to go and I got to spend time with people who felt like family. Um, Doctors who were doing the kind of work I wanted to be doing. um, Patients who reminded me of my grandma and Mm -hmm. um, just that sense of family and um, camaraderie and support and community that I really needed. And so as much as free clinic became the place where I could see myself like, oh, these doctors, they're doing what I want to do. Like, and, and I then had like a model for mm-hmm. um, what I wanted to do. I didn't even know that it was possible. Like it was this dream that was kind of elusive. Mm-hmm. And then I got to see it in action. Like, oh, look at these doctors who are very successful and they're working in the community and with the community and um, serving. And so, so that was amazing to get to see that, <laughs> but also, it really nourished my soul and gave me the support uh, and encouragement that I really needed. Because I think 
I don't know that I'm going to meet it through the challenges in that school without that. So you can imagine, <laughs> personal, such a personal um, experience for me that when I graduated, I 100% knew that I wanted to come back and work at Free Clinic. And that is exactly what I said to Dr. Beck, who's the mm-hmm. founding director of the Free Clinic. I said, I'll be back in three years. So <laughs> <laughs> and so even she did. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got to, to come back and, and work. And, and then I don't even know that I've like had it all flushed out at that point, like what it would mean to work with students, what it would mean to work with um, pre-med students and encourage people along the way. It was, it was really more about like finding that sense of home at work Mm -hmm. um, and family at work. And then as I started to do it, then I realized like, oh, but it's, it's the giving back. Now Mm -hmm. I get to be Mm -hmm. that person that supports and encourages and cheers others on. Oh, wow. It's like always so magical to hear all these timing and moments happening at the right time, because like mm-hmm. it was pretty clear was just starting. You were just joining as a medical student and then you know, all these, you know, positions opening up. And then, you know, it was like a vibrant community as is now. Like, I think one of the tenants is like community as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So you're like learning from them also, but you're like, I learned all this much. I should be really giving back to them, which is to the premise like me, volunteers or like translators or the patients. Yeah. So um, it is uh, a very, I think it's a very special thing to get to be a part of. And I, I think, you know, sometimes people hear free clinic and, oh, you, you know, do you provide like just urgent care or is it like a drop-in thing? I'm like, no, it's, it's not. <laughs> I still take care of people that I met when I was a first-year medical student. And that's like so special how many people get to say that about their patients. Um, but also just the culture that we're creating mm-hmm. together at Free Clinic, everyone working together towards a common cause. I just think it's such a special thing to get to be a part of. So I feel lucky to go to work every single day. (laughs) So I wanted to pin back on what you said that you in free clinic, you see yourself um, and in the community and then because you wanted some feeling of your abuelita Mm -hmm. there too. Um, And we were talking about um, patients having, um, it's important to have self-reflection where a patient sees themselves also in you. And I think that in free clinic, you know, when there is the translator, because I'm also a translator for the Monday free clinic, um, it's, it's nice because we are able to know what they're trying to say. So um, they also feel comfortable saying more things. So it, I feel like, you know, being a physician where they can see themselves in you is also important and it helps them be more comfortable. Um, Having that said, um, UCSD is becoming more diverse and is helping more students come come in. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So uh, what are the ways, obviously we're not all the way there yet. <laughs> we still have like little pushes here and there. Um, what uh, what do you think that you know we could do to help or or something to um, help those first generation have that 
tough love to push it out and be able to, you know, fulfill their dream like you, like that you were at five years old, you knew you were going to be a doctor. <laughs> no worries. At myself at five, I like, I thought I was a doctor too. And my, and my, um, uh, friend who was next to me, he's like, yeah, my head hurts. I'm like, don't worry. I have no train. Here you go. And then after that, everyone was like, oh yeah, where's Dr. Scarlett? <laughs> it was like, oh no, my mom came because my mom was a nurse. So she's like, you know, working also night shifts. So she's like, Scarlett, what did you do? And I'm all like, I, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so I completely understand. Um, but yeah, <laughs> back to the question. Yeah, Sorry. I think it's it's a great question. And it's certainly something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about because, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a windy path. And making mistakes and learning from your mistakes along the way. But, um, but I do think there are some lessons <laughs> that um, you can take from the generation before you. <laughs> you don't have to learn the hard way for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's always um, how I'm, I'm thinking about things. And even going back to my own story, right? And my parents saying, like, no, we didn't send you to UCSP to be a lit major. <laughs> oh, shoot, if I had major, my GPA would have been a whole heck of a lot better. It would have been a lot easier to get into medical school, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, so while I appreciate their comfort, <laughs> um, that's not always the advice that I would give mm. um, people. But but I do think, um, you know, there's just certain things that I think can set um, someone up for success and um, finding mentors um, mm -hmm. is, I think, the number one piece of advice I would give anyone mm -hmm. in any career um, with any goal. And I think sometimes when we think of mentor, we think of someone who is like, way ahead of us <laughs> like um you know the the other end of their career and there is something to be said for that but um I think you know those those near peer relationships are so important too because it's like okay well what's my next step <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. which yeah. professor um should I take for yeah. any given class um you know, well, hey, what do you think about my personal statement? And those things, I think, those near peer relationships. So sometimes, um, like breaking down what it means to have a mentor, to be a mentor, mm -hmm. um, is I think really important because I think sometimes we think that it's one person who can like look back on their life and advise you in every part of your life. Yeah. And I think the reality is that there are mentors like all along the way and mm -hmm. the people who are you know close um, to you and you have professional mentors and then there's people who might be a personal or spiritual mentor and and so um breaking that down and helping people um identify who those people are in their lives I think is really really helpful so and I think um that is also really inspiring as you're going along in the journey because you can just turn around <laughs> and extend your <laughs> right to the person who's coming right behind you and say, hey, um, you know, these are the lessons I've learned. Um, like, let's do this together. You don't yeah. have to 
reinvent the wheel or struggle in ways that I had to. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. Um, and uh, that's one of also the reasons that I also um, along with Amy, um, did the organization of Latin Health Connections, mm-hmm. where you know the undergrads help the medical students learn Spanish, mm-hmm. and um, even if um, they don't know, they can you know teach them or even have a conversation that can feel more comfortable. But in a way, it kind of gives these undergrads access to the med students, mm-hmm. and that way they can you know be like, hey, by the way, what did you think? Um, do you have time to read my personal statement? Yeah. What did you do? you know do you have any um tips for me and I think that that's important because you know as a first gen I didn't know what to do I didn't know like what an MCAT was I didn't know research was also like crucial sometimes you know what path I mean did want to go this way or that way you know do a PhD MD program um so I think that, you know, that's a good way to do it as well. Um, and then in turn, we can also reach that, um, bridge that gap between the patients. And um, since we have a high population of Hispanics here in San Diego, that way we can provide mm-hmm. more um, better health care as well. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of the things I love most about free clinic uh, is that there is so many of those near peer relationships. I love seeing them in action. I love seeing medical students cheering on our volunteers, Mm -hmm. um, celebrating their victories when they get into medical school or get into a post-bed program. Mm -hmm. And and then acknowledging too that uh, because we do serve a predominantly Spanish speaking population, we have this beautiful army of interpreters. Mm -hmm. And so many of our interpreters are first generation um, and so even like those relationships that are being formed at clinic where medical students are mm-hmm. um, encouraging and advising and um, the opportunities that are available to some of these students mm-hmm. um, to have an incredibly meaningful clinical experience um, that then is going to help catapult them towards their career yeah. goals. Is really and, and exactly what you said, which is that we know that like when we provide language concordant care and culturally sensitive mm-hmm. care, like our, if, even if our medical students uh, may not be Spanish speaking or um, from a Latinx background, that we have those interpreters there mm-hmm. um, that our patients do. They feel more comfortable there, more willing to share their lives with us. Um, and sometimes life means um, opening up about needs that they have that they might not feel comfortable sharing mm-hmm. otherwise, mm-hmm. concerns that they have, um, but they also, right, like going back to the community as teacher, they have so much to teach us about mm-hmm. life and resilience and um, adversity, and so I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for our volunteers every day, and so thankful for our patients who teach us so much like as a like an asian not even asian american like <laughs> as asian like straight up asian like i figured out that oh like california is where is a place i need to learn spanish mm-hmm. so i've been taking spanish courses and then when i see patients to pick up their medications or like you know greet them to see if they have an appointment i would like 
use my broken Spanish, like, you know, usted tiene cita. I don't know if that's correct, but yeah. like, like yeah. that. And they will like, you know, smile up because there is this like, you know, completely Asian <laughs> guy talking in Spanish. And I'll be like listening hard, like, okay, I think that means dentist or dentista. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so like, just like community will also learn me that there is like, I don't, I don't have to be, you know, a fully like Latin from a Latinx culture. But if I'm like, just show that effort to, you know, mm -hmm. be, to learn about these communities, it will like really open their hearts up. Like, you know, oh, this is a person who cares about okay. my yeah, culture. We recently um, through Latin Health Connections raised money and, and bought a bunch of masks for UFW, the farm workers mm -hmm. and like a lot of hand sanitizers. And we went and they set us up. Um, we, we met them at this like gas station, but there was these people that were like doing tacos on the spot. Um, and they even looked at him. They're like, wait, you, you eat tacos? tacos yeah. and then they're there they just let up like, they're like yeah yeah i love tacos <laughs> so, i'm from san diego so <laughs> it, it you know it was a very nice bonding um time as well because we got to talk to them and it was a nice time and then he had a chat and he knew what it was so it was yeah. it was really nice I was like asking, like, what kind of meat is that? Quick question. Um, so what words of encouragement for future Latinas would you give who are seeking to become a doctor or who are already in med school and going into residency or finishing up residency? <laughs> you. Um, you've got this. <laughs> uh, yeah don't um don't let anyone tell you you can't do it um you can absolutely do it and you're doing it <laughs> not even future tense present tense you are doing it um and also um, my encouragement is always to like find your cheerleaders and keep them close um because they're the people who are going to remind you after a hard day yep this is why you wanted to do this and you knew there were going to be hard days and okay today is one of them but it's okay because tomorrow will be better um and uh, I don't know I just think I'm so thankful for all of the cheerleaders in my life who um, picked me up on the days that I fell down and reminded me um, why I wanted mm -hmm. to do this. And, and also like, we need you. You got this, <laughs> you're doing it and we need you, we need you. Um, and that I think is so important and that's how we're going to transform the health and wellness and quality of life of our communities and our state. Um, is as we diversify our, yeah. our workflow and our, our workforce. So I just love that we need you. Yeah. Because like it kind of like we can be tense thinking like, oh I got this, I got this, but like we need you means like, oh, they need me. Like the who I you know, know. It's, it's like okay, you know, I got this. That's a reinforcement. Yeah. That's mm. I think it's like the internal, yeah. right? Sometimes mm -hmm. that internal motivation mm -hmm. um, to push through the mm -hmm. challenges. But then like, why are you doing it? You're not yeah. doing it for you. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. We all are, are pursuing healthcare yeah. because we care about other people. Mm -hmm. We want to see people's mm -hmm. lives 
better yeah. and transformed. And so it's the inward, like you've got this. Yeah. <laughs> and then the outward of yeah. you, you're doing it for, for others too. And I think sometimes in in the hardest moments, right? Like when we can't find that strength in ourselves, mm-hmm. it's so um lovely to look outward and be reminded, like, oh yeah, I'm doing it for me, but I'm, I'm really doing it because I want to do it for the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to yourself if you were like little, like going back 20 years, what would you say to yourself? Those heart moments. Like, what would you yeah. say? Mm. It's like one of those movies that you can tell your little Dr. R like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, that one's harder. What would I say? Um, I think I would say, enjoy the journey okay because i think sometimes we get so focused on our destination yes so far away when you're mm-hmm. young and mm-hmm. you know i um so many of the high school students that i work with you know they can't sometimes they can't quite imagine medical school because it feels so far away okay so don't think that far <laughs> think about the next step think about community college and, and and then you know you just take it one step at a time mm-hmm. so um but I think enjoying the journey along the way is important because there's so much joy um and there's you know so much to experience along the way that um being present for that I think can really help um when you talk about the resilience that you need to face your challenges. I think being present and, mm-hmm. and enjoying the journey is a huge part of that. Because when your eye is only on that distant prize, then I think there is that risk that you can forget in the moment. Like, wait, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? This is torture. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, when you look for those moments of joy um, and can enjoy every step along the way, maybe not every step, (laughs) then I think when you arrive, you arrive intact. Mm -hmm. um, And that also um, protect you on the flip side because burnout is real too. Yeah. Hence so. physics, going back to that. Yeah. Enjoy the <laughs> physics. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the part where you're done with it because it's a quarter system, you yeah, know, yeah. UCFT. Yeah. You're done in three months, just yeah. 10 weeks. <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. I guess. Um, like since we talked about 20 years before maybe we talk about 20 years future Mm. um what's your as you say you're talking about distance of the bar what's your um probably your goal or like what you want to achieve if it be too big of a statement Mm. (laughs) um no i think it's it's an interesting um it's an interesting time for you to ask me that question because i think that my goals for my future self are different today than they were even a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and I think that the um 
the rise in talking about diversity and anti-racism. Mm -hmm. I think it's just opened a lot more opportunities and doors. And that's definitely a direction that I see my career going in. Those are things that, um, as we talked about already, right? So many positive changes, but we still have a long a ways to go. to go. Yeah. And um, and I, I think that up until recently, that didn't feel like a career thing. Like it, it uh -huh. felt like something you did on the side. Yeah. Um, and now I feel like there's so many opportunities to um, to actually build that into my career. And I, and I see it, you know, it's like this thread that kind of runs through everything because I see it in the work that I'm doing at the free clinic and I see it in the work I'm doing with my high school students and working with residents, but also opportunities to, to literally, um, you know, promote diversity and inclusion um, and equity at our medical school. So, so it's definitely the direction that I see my career going. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, interesting because I love patient care and uh, I can't imagine ever giving it up completely, mm -hmm. but, but I think um, being a leader in medical education is also something that I would never have known at the beginning mm -hmm. in medical school if you'd mm -hmm. asked me. No, <laughs> I think just to take care of patients. <laughs> there's so much value um, in in training mm -hmm. um, students and residents, and so I'm kind of excited because I don't quite know like what I don't have like a super duper end goal, mm -hmm. um, but excited that there are all these new opportunities um, to to promote um, diversity. To, yeah. to do that and be a doctor at the same time. That's what makes the journey like really interesting because mm -hmm. like you may plan so much ahead, but like every step it's gonna be different. Like you'll be you know mm -hmm. pivoting, but it's because mm -hmm. you like it. It's not because like you know you're not going there because like you're achieving your dream, but mm -hmm. um will be like you know your own cheerleaders, you know, supporting for social justice, like oh Dr. Rodriguez. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. It's kind of like the unknown known, like the nuance, and then you know, you're jumping in, mm -hmm. which is so you know, it's awesome. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's uh, a lot of, um, I don't, I don't want to speak about it negatively, but sometimes it can feel like the minority tax, right? Where you're being asked to do things because you're a person of color mm -hmm. um, or from a particular background. But um, it's also a huge privilege and honor to get to um, to be in this place in my career where mm -hmm. um, I can, um, you know, like you, you're in the room where um, big conversations happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of exciting for sure. Um, so it's, I, I see the ways that yeah. it can feel mm -hmm. um, like a big ask, um, but also I think there's huge privilege and to get to do it um, at the institution where I trained, knowing our history <laughs> where we come from and and where we are at in our journey and knowing where i would like to see us go uh, is is also really super exciting because you know like this whole be the change can sometimes feel very cliche mm -hmm. um, but i can tell you that it's 
it's awesome to get to be a part of change um, because when I was a medical student, it felt like like moving a glacier. (laughs) (laughs) You just, the needle was not going to move. And so um, to get to be at this place Mm -hmm. and see it, um, not just budging, but moving and um, with so much momentum and alongside amazing and inspiring medical students is super awesome. And I think honestly, it's, it's very important that you are taking on that role because, you know, when you moved to public school, you had this culture shock because it was just um, the white students and then Asians, but then you coming from uh this other school that had kids from Compton or Inglewood, you know, maybe these now that, you know, it's um, school is diversifying, you know, these kids will now also be there and they'll also have this culture shock and you'll be able to be, be able to help them and guide them as well. So I think that would also help as well. Yes, we need you. Tying that all in together. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm excited for you um, because it's, yeah, it's just exciting to know that um, this generation of students who are going to go through medical education are going to have this very deeper, richer understanding of what it means to take care of people individually and as communities, mm. and um, that you're just going to be way better doctors. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, that your experience in medical school will be a uh, a richer, more positive experience as well. So, so going back at you with, they need you, Dr. Rodriguez. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Did you want to ask the other one? Um, I think we are. Um, what do you do for fun? fun hobbies. hobbies i know you're busy with free clinic at night it ends at 12 i'm like oh my god he's there every week or what's your like go-to like de-stress is it just um going on walk or so, you know traveling that's the thing that i love to do the most um which has made this year really interesting um because it's not been an option (laughs) Um, but I love um like cooking baking baking and hosting um so I'm really um excited as uh we get through all of this um past year with COVID and are able to gather again um, outside, mm-hmm. vaccinated. Um, I Yeah, I miss having people over and um, cooking and baking and just um, being with people. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, this summer. The pizza and party. Pizza party. Pizza she has a pizza <laughs> oven at her <laughs> city with so many beautiful places and um so I love exploring 
um, different parts of San Diego. And uh, for me, mm-hmm. living here, I love to be places where people are like enjoying our smithy. Mm-hmm. And so I love going to Torrey Pines. People mm-hmm. are always like so happy to be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Salvo Park and Little Italy. And um, so that's what I like to do for fun. And I love being out on the water. Um, so kayaking oh, like cove or or even in the bay or anywhere so i'm hoping to get to catalina island <gasps> that sounds fun yeah so, this summer summer <laughs> it will be it will be that time <laughs> do you want a paddleboard next to her oh yeah i'll paddle <laughs> stand up paddleboard paddleboarder <laughs> Pretty sure one of my legs is longer than the other. And so it's, hard for me to <laughs> oh, it's, it's hard. Just it's keep going hard. Same direction. It's hard. <laughs> and then I'm also scared of water. So at the beginning, I had a hard time. I was like, you know, I, I bought my life jacket. <laughs> it's not cool, though. You're the one very I know. So, yeah. So, but, you know, slowly but surely. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm not, I'm not great at it, but I have definitely gone out with my friends. And one's like, where are you going to take your dog? I'm like, please. <laughs> I've actually seen people with the life jackets, you know, the dogs have the life jackets, they're there. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's fun though. <laughs> I guess oof, it was a it was a great discussion talking about you with mm-hmm. all these different things about your life story, words of encouragement to the future physicians, Latina physicians. Is there any words you want to add or any comments to our listeners? Well, I guess I'll say this, regardless of whether uh, you are going into medicine or are in medicine, um, we need you, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is that you bring to our um, community and our world. Um, so um, keep doing what you're doing. Find your cheerleaders that are going to encourage you along the way. And um, yeah, thank you for listening and being a part of this amazing community. Hearing Her Voice is brought to you by Women's March San Diego at UCSD. The podcast is written and produced by Scarlett Lopez and Jin Ho Jung. Thank you, Dr. Rodriguez, for taking your time to chat with us today. Our design director is Melissa Wang. Our creative director is Surin Sunsa. And our technical director is Catherine Cordova. To learn more about Women's March San Diego at UCSD, please visit our website on Linktree. Subscribe to Hearing Her Voice on Anchor app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.